Thank you, Haley, for leading us for our worship this morning, and uh, actually, I should say for our singing, because everything we do when we come in this room is worship, whether it is listening to announcements, whether it is singing, lifting our voices, or hearing from God's Word, that's all worship, but thank you, Haley, for, for leading us this morning. We'll be having some guests that will be sitting in with the band over the next few weeks as we seek God's guidance and direction on our next steps for someone who's leading our worship and tech team. Uh, so we are so grateful for Connor and what he's doing over at Fullerton Free, but we're in the next season and we're looking for God's guidance and we anticipate that God will give it. If we ask, he gives, right? And so if we can continue to pray for that, that would be wonderful. So we are, we're done with summer. I, the, 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 the weather didn't get the memo, right? But if you are a Southern California native, you know that summer's not the hot time. No, it's like the fall. It's right now. This is the time. But we're going to be getting um, two, two weeks of kind of setting the stage for this next ministry year. Uh, a few, last year, we, changed, we shifted our fiscal year so that we could kind of take our ministry year and begin it in the fall, run it through to the, be, to the end of the spring, and then have summer be its own season. And so we are beginning our kickoff. It moves our kickoff. It also moves our budgeting and things like that away from like January 1st to the fall, that we are able to talk about ministry and our kickoff in the fall. And so this is the first of two weeks where we'll be talking about what is upcoming in this ministry year. And so to start, to think about the future, I just wanted to say a couple things about the past because um, we, we've had a number of people who are newer to our community and maybe you haven't heard some of the story, but when I first came to Taft Avenue, it was the end of 2018. You guys remember what you were doing in 2018? think back right now, you're like, yeah, I don't remember anything. Um, but it was on the heels, it was on the heels of a pretty tough year for the church. Um, the church had lost its youth pastor, as well as many of the youth and its families, their families. The church had also lost its senior pastor of 20 years, and it was a hard year with some hard feelings. And it was also the lowest attended year in the history of the church since its founding in 1962. And you can imagine in a building that's built for 500 people that low, low attendance and it, it, gets, it, can, it can get worrisome, right? Like, what's God going to do? What is happening here? And so I got a call from Bill Runyon um, early in that summer, whereas Bill, Bill was on the base up here. Um, had been a great partner in ministry, as all the elders have been, um, that there was a little pulpit fill. And also that I had been helping a church in Bill's neighborhood over in Anaheim with some revitalization things. And so he said, hey, can you fill the pulpit, but can you also sit down with the elders and just talk through some of the things that we might be able to do here at Taft Avenue? And he kind of brought me up to speed with what was going on. And so I, um, I came, I preached a couple of times, met with the elders and said, look, I can do, I could do a number of things. I could help you run your search because I had been doing that kind of consulting with churches. I could be an interim for a while because I had been doing some of that with some churches. Or, and at that time, the Lord had been working on my heart, that God was saying, look, Craig, I love that you're a consultant and a professor, but what I really kind of need you to be right now is I need you to be a pastor. And that slow pressure God had been pushing on me for a while, and so I could do, I could help you run your search, I could be an interim, or I could throw my hat in the ring. But I can only do one of those things. I can't do two, I can only do one. And so as we were praying, and I was in a process with another church at the same time, um, but it became clear over time that God was calling me and my family 
to the work of revitalization here at Taft Avenue. And I came in November, that, and by the way, that all began four years ago. It's been four years, right? So I know I was looking at the calendar, I'm like, we are entering year five of this whole thing. I mean, it's amazing. Like, where is the time gone? I guess there was a pandemic and all that stuff. But anyway, all that to say, so, sorry, Dora. I told Dora I would never mention the pandemic ever again, and I've already done it twice. So, okay. <laughs> Thank you. I see you, Dora. Okay. Um, but as we moved into 2019, so when I came, it was like, let's, let's, have thank, let's celebrate Thanksgiving, let's celebrate Christmas, but once we hit the new year, let's talk about what is it going to look like going forward? What are we going to do? How are we going to create space for God to move in the way that is characteristic of the way God moves, even in the midst of revitalizing churches in the region, in the city, and our church in particular? And the passage that we had read this morning that Marcia read for us played a key role in setting forth really the purpose of what we are here at Taft Avenue. And this idea of our purpose and some guiding principles moving forward. And this passage we had read this morning, as we launched in the season of revitalization, it gave us a revised purpose statement. And here was our revised purpose statement. Hit it, Vermil. It was, it even came with hand motions. Love God and love others, right? That that is what, if, if you ask Jesus, like when Jesus is asked, hey Jesus, what do you think is the most important thing in the Bible? Like, if you don't, if you don't like lean forward and you're like, Jesus is going to say something important. Like, if, but he did here and we wanted to lean into that. When Jesus says, what is the first and most important commandment? What, what do all the law and the prophets hang on? And Jesus says, look, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we thought, okay, what we're going to do is everything we do, this is our purpose. Why do we exist? We wanted to come up with a statement that everybody from the preschool to friends in Christ could all memorize, right? That everybody could memorize our purpose statement, which is this. Say it with me. Love God and love others. Like, that's it. And like I said, even hand motions, we even added on this idea in, 29, in 2020, I, I was looking back on sermons that I preached in 2020, and I was like, 2020 was going to be a big year because we were rolling off of all this momentum from year one. And in, in January, I was like, we had all these plans and all this stuff, um, and, but it was this big idea of love orange, love God, love others, love orange. And so go to the next slide, this idea that we were going to reach out, that we need to find our place in the community, that the address of the church is not an accident. That if we think about soils, that things grow in different soils, and we got to understand the soil of orange because, frankly, we're responsible for orange, there are ministries all over the world, and there's wonderful things going all over the world, but we are responsible for the city of Orange. We've got great missionaries that are all over, global partners all over, and they're doing great things, but that's not our responsibility. The address of the church is not an accident, so we've got to love our city. We've got to figure out how, to get, how, how do we get every man, woman, and child to know that God sees them and loves them and that God's saving power is in Jesus, right? And so what we came up, what we ended up with is this thing. We've got, so, and it still has hand motions, I guess. We've got love God, we've got love others, and we got love orange, right? Love orange. I don't know. I'm just making this stuff up. Some people like hand motions. 
but that's, look, that's how it works. Even if it's goofy, you'll remember it. Love God, love others, love Orange. So, and it's surrounding communities. I, we see you, Villa Park, Anaheim, like we're not, like we love you guys too. Garden Grove, Tustin, look, we love you guys, okay? Um, but that's, that's the deal. So love God, love others, love Orange. That's what we, as we were thinking about, what, are, what do we need to focus on as we move forward? So we are responsible for, for this. And you can see on, on your bulletin, we've got that very thing. We've got our, our new logo with the orange in it, which is wonderful. And then love God, love others, love orange as we begin this vision, uh, this vision time. And so um, it's going to be four years complete in November. And we'll start year five in this ministry year. And what I want to do today is I want to revisit our purpose. I want to revisit this passage and just kind of retune. Like every once in a while when you're playing your guitar, you're playing the piano, it can get a little out of tune and you might not notice it, but you get, we, we need the tuning forks to come out and we just need to tune our hearts to this idea. So if you have your Bible, let's open up to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. We already had it read, so I'm going to walk through it and say a few things about this. You know, we also, as you're turning there, we also introduced some guiding values. So we have our purpose statement, love God, love others, love orange. But we also have these guiding values of anticipating that God will move, removing distractions, calling attention to God, the overwhelming value of each person, and a congregation of growing people. And we're going to talk about those next week a little bit. About Those are things that, um, that, can, that we want to see permeate every ministry that we have, that every ministry would be anticipating that God would move. Every ministry would be removing distractions. Every ministry would be noting the overwhelming value of every person. Every ministry that we operate here would recognize that we are a congregation of growing people. So that's next week, so I'm not going to move off of that. But Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28. And as we think about a starting point, not only for this year, but as we have done it in the past and as we move into this next season... It's always good, it's always good when you're moving into the next season of your life to look at Jesus and to ask ourselves, what, what does Jesus think about our community? What does Jesus think about how we ought to engage our community? What does Jesus think, especially when Jesus is asked, especially in Mark 12, 28, look at 28, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with each other and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And like I said, when somebody asks Jesus that kind of pointed question, it behooves us to sit up straight and listen, and then when Jesus says something, what commandment is the most important of all, how will he answer and how will we jump into this? Now, here's the deal. This is not a trick question. Okay, it's not that he is testing Jesus, the scribe is testing Jesus, but this question about what is the most important commandment or the first commandment or the greatest commandment, there are 613 commandments in Torah. 613 commandments. And the question of priority was not foreign among the rabbis in the first century. 
that this was actually a question that rabbis asked all the time. And you had different schools of thought about which, which commandment was really the one by which all others made sense or which one was the weightiest. And so this question of what's the first or what's the most important or what's the weightiest commandment, this is, or what is a commandment that sums everything up? This was a debate that was going on in the day of Jesus and in the literature, the literature that comes after Jesus, which is called the Mishnah and the Talmud. These questions are all over that literature. And here are some of the answers that come up. For example, um, Rabbi Shammai and Hillel, they asked this question. They, they, they put, the, they put this, uh, the challenge out to all of the rabbis. Teach me the whole Torah while standing on one leg. The, the rabbis have a great way of putting it, don't they? And what he's saying is like, don't recite all 613. Recite one quickly that can sum it all up. And this is what one rabbi said. One rabbi, um, uh, Rabbi Hillel, says, do not do to your neighbor what is hateful to you. This is the whole Torah. The rest is just commentary. That's in the Talmud. Jesus' golden rule, as we know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, in, in many ways is based on that. It's a positive version of Hillel's. But that's a summary but here are some examples that we read about in Jewish literature among the rabbis of what rab- other rabbis thought were the, the number one guiding principle that all of Torah came under. So, for example, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You guys know this verse? You might have memorized it as a kid. Does anybody want to take a shot at it? Okay, no. Um, <laughs> trust, I, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding right? In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. There were many rabbis that said Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that's the one. Trust in the Lord. Others said that um, in in, uh, Psalm 15, that there were, um, some offered that there were 11 principles. Oh Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who will dwell on your holy hill? And then there's these 11 things. He who walks blamelessly, does what is right, speaks truth in his heart. I'm not, anyway, you could read that. It's long. It's hard to do on one leg, so Shammai and Hillel have to, you know, follow through. Uh, another way, Isaiah 33, 33, 15. He who walks righteously, speaks uprightly, despises the gain of oppressions, shakes his hands lest they hold a bribe, stops his ears. So this was another example of here's a verse that rabbis would use as the, the guiding principle. You guys might know Micah 6, 8. We could sing it together. He has shown the, right? Okay, you don't, you don't want to hear me do that. But what is it? What does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. There were many rabbis that offered, that's the first and greatest commandment. Or Isaiah 56, 1. Thus says the Lord God. Here's, we're down to two. Like, it's like, love, what is it? It's do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. That's three. Let's go down to two. Is there another? Do I hear two? It's like, I can name that tune in two notes. And here's where, in Isaiah 56, the Lord says this, keep justice and do righteousness. That's pretty good, right? Amos 5, 4. For thus says the Lord God to the house of Israel, seek me and live. These are all offered by the rabbis in Jesus' day as the governing principles of what is, what is the most important thing. One final one, Habakkuk um, 2.4. Behold, 
Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. Okay, we, we hear all these. These are wonderful things. What, but the question is, what is Jesus' response? What does Jesus say? How is it similar? How is it different? And how does it help us get into the sensibilities of who Jesus is and what Jesus wants God's people to do and to be like? And this is Jesus' answer. He actually says, there's two verses. He says, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, and then a portion of Leviticus 19, 18. That's, what, that's his answer. All, he says this. So he starts, so let's look at the passage. Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, if you know anybody on, that's going to Israel in the next week, we're leaving next Monday. Uh, not this coming Monday, but next Monday. If it was this Monday, we would be a lot of packing going on. Um, but um, they have been challenged to learn the, the Shema. It's called the Shema, um, and to learn it in Hebrew. So you need to find, like, Jackie or Marsha, or you need to find Dave. Dave, our, uh, our usher, you need to find Dave, and he's going to recite Shema Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad, right? Okay, anyway, that, that's the idea. So find Dave, and he'll do that for you. That'll be great. But that's, what, that's his first answer. He says, that's the first and greatest. And you shall love the Lord your God. Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloheinu. Okay? You will love the Lord your God. That's the first and greatest commandment. And then he goes on to say, in verse 31, the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he begins with Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he talks about loving. You shall love, you shall love. Here's an interesting factoid, little interesting factoid. In the Hebrew Bible, those two verses, Deuteronomy 6, 5, and you shall love, is, is the word ve'ahavta, and you shall love. There's only one other place in the Bible where that combination of words, you, and you shall love, occurs, and it's in Leviticus 19, 18. And so Jesus actually is taking these two words, ve'ahavta, ve'ahavta begins Deuteronomy 6.5, and ve'ahavta begins Leviticus 19.18. And so he actually, the, 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 sing, the greatest thing that brings all of these things together, and you shall love. That, when Jesus is asked what is the greatest commandment, he uses two verses that use the same word, and you shall love. When you think about all the other rabbinic summaries and all those verses that we read and all the various verbs and topics, trust. What's the most important thing? Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Walk blamelessly. Speak truth. Don't slander. Don't do evil. Walk righteously. Speak uprightly. Don't commit bloodshed. Don't look on evil. Do justice. Walk humbly. All these are good actions, but love is different than all those other verbs. Love is a verb, okay? To quote DC Talk, I guess. Anybody? Child of the 90s, thank you very much. I see that, Nate. That's good. It is a verb, 
And, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about love, but when Jesus seems to think, what is the most important thing? Now, all those things are good, trusting, walking, doing, those are all good things, but Jesus seems to think that loving is the most important thing. It's the first thing. Now, here's the thing. They're doing good things, and I think there's a lot of good things that are going on in the world and even in the Christian world. Like you can do, like if you want to save money and you want to get your finances, like you can do Dave Ramsey, and that's a good thing. That's good. I think that's great. It's good, okay? If you want to learn how to read your Bible, like you can take a Bible study class. That's a good thing. And there's all kinds of good things that you can do if you want to educate your kids. That's a good thing. There's all kinds of good things that are out there. If you want to serve the poor, that's a good thing. But if you just say, I'm going to take this good thing and build my life around that good thing, you will miss the greatest thing. You're in danger of missing the greatest thing. But if you start with the greatest, all the good will come with it. And when Jesus says, what is the greatest, the most important he says, love. You love your God, you love the Lord your God, and you love others. Love God, love others, but love is what it is. So one of the questions is this, what is love, right? We all, and we all have, we live in a world where de- defining love, there's all kinds of different definitions. This is the Craig Hill authorized version, Okay. I'm just going to give you what I think is love. And you can, you can weigh it against this, but I, do, I think that this is a pretty good definition. So I think, I would say this. Love, love is, is some kind of internal de, de, um, uh, disposition, some kind of internal feeling. We'll talk about what that is in a second. But that moves us toward other people. Let me see if I can get it. I think there's three components to this, okay? I think that, um, that love, love does have warm feelings, Kind of like when you were sitting next to Sally Jane in sixth grade and like you had warm feelings toward her. Anybody out there? I don't, there's no Sally Janes in here. Or that boy, I don't know what his name was. You guys can talk about it later, okay? But you know, like when you have warm feelings, like warm feelings. Now here's the deal. Warm feelings, okay? Warm feelings are just a crush if it doesn't move you towards somebody, right? It's warm feelings are not a relationship, but I would, I would argue this, that, that love does have warm feelings, but it also has a second component, and that is that it would move you towards someone else. So love is not only warm feelings, but it also moves you to someone else, okay? Relationship. It's warm feelings that move toward relationship. But I would also argue that that's not enough. That's not enough. Like, you can have warm feelings, and move toward relationship, like there's all kinds of high school romances out there, and you guys might have had them, we don't have to talk later, we're not going to make fun of you, like my family makes fun of me for all my relationships that I had in high school, okay, but that's just between us right now, so don't, don't share that with anybody, okay, but if you, if you, because you can have warm feelings that move towards relationship to somebody, but it doesn't really mean anything over time, and so I think that there's a third thing with love, if you're going to love someone, it's, I do think, because I think that there's something like, I'm, I love people, but I don't like them. And I'm like, look, I, that's, that's like putting up with people. That's not love. Like there is, there is this sense in which there needs to be some kind of warmth moving towards them. Because otherwise it's just obligation, right? That if we're going to talk about what is love, it's, it's these, some kind of warm feeling. I've said warm feelings like way too many times already this morning some kind of internal disposition that moves you towards someone else, but also is accompanied by some sense of strong resolve. 
All right, you guys with me on this? So let's put the three together. You've got warm feelings that move towards someone in relationship with strong resolve. That's where this idea, love is a verb. It's not just a feeling. There's strong resolve. Even if things go south, the strong resolve kicks in. And I would just say, I don't know which comes first, to be honest. Strong resolve, moving towards someone in relationship, or the feelings. Like sometimes moving towards someone in relationship, that the feelings will follow and the strong resolve will follow, even if you're doing it. At, like, I don't know which one comes first. Sometimes we come to God with a strong sense of resolve and we just wonder where the feelings are. But maybe after, after that strong resolve that our feelings follow, that our relationship, or that maybe it is out of feelings that we first move towards God, and we move towards God out of the warm feelings, but the strong sense of resolve comes later. That happens. What I'm saying is that if you're going to talk about love, I think all three of those things have to be there. Now, you might be shaking your head, and that's fine, because again, this, I'm making this stuff up as I go, okay? Um, there's no Bible verse that says those are the three components of love, but as I read about love, I think that those three things are present. And so, what is Jesus saying? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think he's saying this, that what he wants, what he believes is the first and greatest commandment is to move toward God with the, the warmth of feeling and the strong sense of resolve that he deserves. Love the Lord your God. It's not like some high school relationship. No, there's strong resolve. I'm going to the Lord. But I'm also, I anticipate that as I go to him, even if I don't feel all the, feel, all the feels, what do all the kids say these days? Feel the feels? All the feels, right? That if I don't feel all the feels, that eventually God will grab my heart and we will have a relationship. But, but this resolve, relationship, feelings all work together. And he says, the first and greatest commandment is do that to God. Love the Lord your God. Move toward him in relationship with feeling and with resolve. And then he says what's a little bit more difficult for us. Do that same thing with the person, not sitting next to you because you already like them, the person on the other side of the auditorium. The person who works at Trader Joe's. You're like, well, I love the people at Trader Joe's. I do because they sell me great food, right? But you're, the person at Starbucks, the person at Vons, the per, like move toward those people, toward your city, with warmth of feeling, building relationship with a sense of resolve. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love out of the whole. The verse mentions, it's interesting because in, in Hebrew it only mentions heart, soul, and strength. And Jesus adds in here mind. I'm not exactly sure why he adds mind. But this, the whole idea is that when he mentions heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's not like we'll do this and then this and then this and then this. He's saying out of the whole of who you are, you got to love. You love out of everything about you, what you think, what you feel, what you, your strength. Out of everything that's yours, love, out of the whole. What's the first and greatest commandment? Take the whole of yourself and move in the direction of God with all the warm feelings you have and all the sense of resolve you have. Move toward him. And then do that with the people around you. 
What's our, what's our purpose? Why, what, why do we even exist as a church? And this is the answer. We exist to do that toward God and to do that toward the people around us. Not just the people within our body. This is why we add our love orange onto this too. Because we do it not just for people who love Jesus. This is for everybody. I think the cool thing about this, the, these words from Jesus um, it's not the only time in the Gospels that he actually says this. There's actually, so in Mark and Matthew, when Jesus says, love the Lord your God, when he gives this answer, there, there, there two, there's two examples in Matthew and Mark, and they're probably the same one. But in Luke, in Luke, um, he asks someone else, um, someone says, how do I inherit eternal life? He says, well, how do you read? And the guy says, the guy says this, he says, love God, love others. It's kind of like my Josh Cabezas guy. He just spurts out the right answer. Jesus, God, the Bible. Like, whatever it is. Like, he just, he, he, he spits it out. And Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Good job. And then the guy follows it up by asking, you guys remember this story? He follows, follows it up by asking, well, Jesus, who's my neighbor? It's like this calculus. He's trying to calculate out, well, well, who am I obligated to love? And you remember the story that Jesus tells? He tells the story of the Good Samaritan about the most unlikely person. The, the dreaded Samaritan is the only one who is the neighbor to the guy. And so this question, this is not just love God, love others in the church. Love God, love others who love Jesus. This is love God, love others. Love orange. And so the question, why do we even exist? Like, why is this building even here? so that I can have friends. No, that's a good thing. Remember, there's good things, like this is a place for me to belong. That's a good thing, and that's great, that's good, but it's not the greatest. That's not the most important thing. I think one thing, like, we had a church transition a few years ago, and it really did, sh it sh shook us up a little bit, and sometimes, and I don't want anybody to leave the church, but, uh, but if you do ever leave a church, like, it makes you think about, like, why do I even go to church? Why am I doing this? And I think for a lot of people, they're like, well, I went to church because I had friends at church. And the question is, what happens when you no longer have friends at church? Well, I'm not going there anymore. Right? Or I go to this church because it's got this ministry. Well, what happens if that ministry doesn't, well, they don't have that ministry anymore. I'm not going to be there anymore. Well, I go to this church because they have this kind of music. I mean, these are, these are all good things, but they're not the greatest thing. And if you build your life around simply a good thing, when that good thing goes away, you will not have the greatest thing. But I will say this. Why do we exist here? We exist to love God and to love others, and neither of those things are going away. Neither of those things are going away. And when you ask Jesus, why, do you, why should we have a church? He would say, it is to love God and to love others, and that's why you're here. There's great things. I'm sure you have wonderful friends. But ultimately, if all those friends went away, we are still going to love God and to love other people. It's why we exist. It's the greatest. It's not just a good thing. It's the greatest thing and all other things. And maybe if we go for the greatest, we'll get all the good too. Maybe. We don't know, right? We know we'll get the most, the most important thing. All right. Start with the, start with the greatest and then focus on that. The good will fall in. I think what's also cool about this is it's not just Matthew and Mark record one setting. 
And then Luke records another setting where Jesus says this. And then John expands with a significant statement. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. The apostle Paul then acknowledges at the end of of 1 Corinthians 13, these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love, like I could, and he, that whole passage is like, I could preach the most awesome sermon, but if I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. A great, a good sermon is awesome. Trust me, a good sermon is awesome. Feels great when you preach a good sermon. You're like, how do you know that? Okay, um, <laughs> okay, that's awesome. But if it does not have love, what are we doing? The apostle Paul is right in the heart of Jesus with this. And I love throughout the whole New Testament, even the Old Testament, that this this idea James calls the command, love your neighbor as yourself, he calls it the royal law. 1 John reminds us that we love because he first loved us. The one that does not love does not know God. I mean, John, like, can you say it? (laughs) Like, back off, big guy, that's big time. If you say you don't love, you don't know God. Okay, like John is just like, okay, here we go. So, so the reason love is at the center, love is the starting place, love is the check in our activities. If we're doing activities and we do not have love, what are we doing? The church does not exist to have activities. The church does not exist so you can have friends. The church exists so that you can love God and love others and love orange. There we go. But that's the idea. And so the, the question is, and again, I, I could pound the pulpit all morning um, because we have air conditioning and that's good. And you're like, I don't have air conditioning, so keep going, Pastor Craig. Um, okay, but here's the deal. So as we start this new year, as we start this new year, how can we deepen this love? What are the ways that we can deepen this love? And so what I want to do is just walk through some of the things that we're launching this year that I think are good ways that we can deepen this love, love for God, love for others, love for orange, How can we deepen this love? So, hit it, Vermeil. Here's our first one. Our first one is this, um, life groups. We are are rebooting life groups at Taft Avenue. And what we're going to do is for this year, we're going to do a little experiment, okay? And we're going to do, we're going to do 10 weeks at a time life groups. And so a life group is a group that meets in someone's house, uh, eight to 10 people, and that we, it's for 10 weeks. The first week is a potluck, um, and then we go through sermon discussion questions together. We're going to be preaching through on Sunday mornings the Gospel of John this whole ministry year. Um, at least I think it's going to be the whole ministry year. It depends on how fa- quickly we do it. There's 22 chapters, so give me some time. Um, but we're going to go through the whole book of John. Ten weeks at a time, we're going to have life groups. So we'll have fall life groups. And then if you're in a fall life group, you're like, you know, that was good. I'm going to off-ramp, and you, you can off-ramp out of it after 10 weeks, or you could stay on and keep going with the same group. Or if you're leading a group, you could say, hey, I want to lead for 10 weeks, but then I want to, I want to step down and let someone else step in and lead this group. But, and, and maybe I'll try a different group or something, or maybe you're going to say, hey, I'll, I'll be in a life group in the, for the fall, and maybe I want to think about leading a life group in the winter or the spring. And so we'll have these on and off-ramp points. The first one is going to be in October, so we're going to be having signups for life groups all of September. We'll start them the last week of September, first week of October, and then we'll wind them down for Christmas. We'll take a break for Christmas. We don't, we're not going to make you meet in a life group all of December um, because there's a lot of stuff going on. Do I get an amen for that? We're think, we think ahead here, okay? 
Um, and then we'll reboot and we'll relaunch in January for another 10 weeks. That'll take us to March. We'll have a little bit of time off. At the end of March, we'll start for our, our third. And the goal is this. Three sessions of 10 weeks at a time. The goal is that every person who is in here on a Sunday morning participates in, li- in a life group over the course of the year. Every person who sits in a service, even one time, the goal is that they would participate in one of the series of life groups that we have. We have three opportunities for life groups. That's the goal. That's the goal. In each of those 10 weeks, your life group does a service project somewhere out in the city. You could sign up to help the unhoused down at Struck Avenue. You can sign up through Love Orange, uh, and you could, you could do trash pickup. You could do, we have all kinds of trash pickup stuff. So there's all kinds of things, but this is idea. Even that group, that group, and here's the deal. Church happens, church happens in circles, not rows. Like, this is great, and you're listening to a great sermon. I can assure you of that. But, and that, all that's happening in rows. That's not the way church ultimately happens. Church happens in circles, where you are not only talking to each other, but listening to each other. Right now we're in rows, you're all just listening to me, and that's awesome. You should be doing that, okay? But what I really want you to do is to get in circles in people's homes and talk and listen to each other. Because we believe that the Holy Spirit of God is active in those kind of circles. So get in those circles around God's word with good leaders. Look at God's word. The great thing about the Gospel of John is, let's say you've got 10 people in your life group. You're like, well, I've got a friend. They don't know Jesus. Like, we'll invite them to life group. Like, sometimes we think that people have to come to church and then we get them plugged into a life group. I would argue this. I would love to see the model that, like, it's, not, it goes, it's actually the other way around that people get invited to your circle and then you invite them to church. Like, let's try that because church is happening in circles, not rows. And so that's what we want to do with life groups as we move. We're going to talk more about life groups next week um, because I, I, I want to sell the idea, to be quite honest, because it is going to be a change. It doesn't mean your friends are going away. You're like, but all my friends are in my life group. I'm like, look, you're still going to be friends. I'm not telling you you can't be friends with people anymore. But what I do want us to do is I want us to take seriously the idea that, look, life groups are where good relationships happen. And maybe you could get some new relationships and loving some other people in our community and then serving outside of that. So that's life groups. They'll begin in October. If you want to sign up for a life group, you can go on our website under ministries, life groups, fall life groups is a little tab. You can click on that. It'll take you to a little thing uh, and you can fill it out and we'll get you signed up for a life group and we're going to be spending September doing that. Okay, that, if there's one big goal this year, if there's one big goal, okay, it's not to have a pandemic. No, I'm just joking. If there's one big goal... (laughs) If there's one big goal, the big goal is this. Every person who sits in one of these pews is in a life group for 10 weeks at least over the course of this next year. Okay, it's a little audacious, but what the heck? Why not? We anticipate that God's gonna move, so why would we not try? Okay, so life groups, that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Uh, We are going to refill the baptistry. Okay, we're gonna have baptisms and we're gonna have a baptism class Baptism class is going to begin October 2nd. It's a two-week class, October 2nd and October 9th. That's Sunday morning, 9 a.m. over in 107. If, you're, if you've come to faith in Jesus and you've never been baptized, you don't even know what it's about, that's what the class is for. It, it's a chance for us to share our stories, to learn a little bit about baptism, and so we're going to be doing that. And then depending on how many people sign up, we'll have either one or two Sundays or even more where we'll have uh, baptisms. But that's going to be October 2nd and 9th 
for those classes. That's another way that we can love God and love our community as well. Also, if you're newer, here's our, uh, another one. We're going to have a pastor's class, which is kind of, if, if you're newer to the community, you want to know some of the information about the church, you can do that through the pastor's class. You can learn a, bit, a little bit about what we believe and how we run, things like that. If you're like, you're, you, you want to kind of see how the sausage is made a little bit, um, that's what the pastor's class is all about. I know that's kind of gross. Sorry about that. All right. Maybe, <laughs> sorry, I'm just going to move on. And then um, on October 1st, uh, we will have, this will be our, our really, it's not our, our second annual, but um, this will be our all citywide Love Orange Serve Day. And it's a citywide event. All the churches in the city of Orange participate in it. And um, we serve our community. You can sign up for a project. We're actually running two projects, two trash pickup projects, one at Grijalva Park that's family friendly and one in the Orange Mall parking lot, which is like head on a swivel, watch out. Um, so that families at Grijalva Park uh, take your life in your own hands uh, is the Orange Mall parking lot. Uh, but we're going to be running those too. And what we do is we just accept anybody in the city who wants to serve. Whether they're part of a church or not, that's just how we're going to run and what we do. So we actually provide space for the Love Orange Planning Committee um, to meet here every Wednesday. And um, so anyway, we're going to be doing that. That's on October 1st, Saturday, October 1st. Um, and then also, um, and by the way, this is on their website, but look who's on it our own, our very own Kirsten Loxamana. And is that Elisa on there too? Yeah? Who's in the middle? Oh, that's Abby Chocolate. Okay, awesome. See? Look, we made the website, everybody. Okay? All right. So, um, so that's, that's happening. And then also, lastly, and we'll have signups for this out in the, um, you can go, uh, the Women's Fall Barbecue kickoff is going to be September 17th at the home of the Watson family. And so you can sign up outside. You can see my wife. She has a clipboard. And uh, that's, that'll happen there. So anyway, these are always, Awana is kicking off this week. The Fall Fest is October 29th. There's all kinds of things that we can do. But these are, our, as we move into the fall, uh, this is what we're going to be doing. And so what I, what I really want to do is, even as I've been making these announcements or talking about loving God, loving others, we, we imagine that as you come into this room, that you come into this room and you, you have faith in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit comes in with you. And that even as you hear a passage like this or you hear announcements like this, that there are certain things that the Holy Spirit is like, hey, that thing, that thing is what, that thing is what I want you to do. So sometimes you can run away from God, but God will hunt you down, okay? As, no laughs on that, it happens, okay? I'm just telling you. But as you're here, and as we're going to go to a time of uh, where we participate in the Lord's Supper, and I'll invite the worship team to come on up. Um, where we're, we're going to look, we're going to take part in the Lord's Supper, but as we do this, I just want you reflecting a little bit, like, what does God have for me this year? What is God calling me into this year? As I think about loving God, my feelings for God, my resolve for God, my moving in the direction of God, other people, my feelings for other people, my relationships with other people, my resolve in those relationships, my resolve to do good. And as you think about that and as we participate in the Lord's Supper, I just want you to ask God, say, God, what do you have for me this year? What do you want me engaging in this year? And we're going to have a variety of things. And even if life groups is not the fall, maybe it's the winter or the spring or whatever, but just to be asking that question, what do you have for me this year? As we come to the table, we recognize that Jesus has made this table, has set this table for us. And as we come and we participate, the way we do this is, um, Kirsten will play a little music. Uh, we'll have some time to reflect. 
And as you feel led, you don't all have to rush down at the same time. You can sit and reflect for a little bit. But come down, grab the two cups. There's um, juice on the top and the bread on the bottom. Take them both back to your seat. And then um, we'll all participate together. So just hold on to them. And then I'll lead us through um, a passage and we'll, we'll, we'll participate together. But again, as we do this, let's reflect. Let's ask God, what do you have for me this year? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this time, this opportunity. We thank you just for clarity from Jesus. I know sometimes, Jesus, you say things and we're like, what did he say? But you were so clear in this case. What's the greatest commandment? And you said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. We're grateful for that clarity. And now as we think about how we're going to apply that, Father, we pray, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come and do the work that only the Spirit can do in our own hearts and in our own minds and move us toward what you would have us have for us this year. So we invite you. Do your work in us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come as you're ready.
come to this table, I think it's significant that we always do this table in the remembrance of Jesus. We remember him. And um, not only do we remember him, but we remember what he has taught. And we have just listened to just that straightforward teaching about what he said was most important. And so how appropriate that we continue to remember him in his death and what he accomplished for us. And I certainly hope that there's a sense that the Spirit is moving in you and guiding you toward something that you're going to spend your time and energies on to grow closer in this idea of loving God and loving others and loving our city.